and welcome to another lovely week of On Repeat, the podcast with myself, Hattie Winter. And me, Ellie Rashid. This week, it's a very special episode. It's my birthday. When you're listening to this, happy birthday to me. And we're also talking to the very lovely Oscar Jerome. And Oscar Jerome left South East London and met myself and Ellie at her flat in West London for a lovely dal dinner and uh, several glasses of rosé, which was... Yeah. A very enjoyable, fun evening, and it was very lovely to record in real life. It was, and it was kind of strange because I think uh, I think we got quite excited at the thought of some <laughs> actual real human interaction. So yes. uh, yeah, definitely, like definitely, a really fun evening, and it was such a pleasure to talk to Oscar. It's it's um it's funny because obviously Oscar's done quite a few interviews and whether they be written or videos and we hope to kind of give him a different experience I mm-hmm. guess. yes I think we definitely hope for yeah that. um so yeah it was really nice to kind of like see a different side to him and get to to know him what his interests were and we really really can't wait to see what's going to happen next so for those of you who don't know, all those of you who do know, <laughs> here's a little recap about Oscar. So he's a South London-based singer, songwriter and guitarist inspired by the likes of Gil Scott Heron, John Martin and Jay Diller. Oscar is becoming a pretty big name in the UK music scene and further afield, with The Guardian labelling him as one to watch. Oscar has also played as part of the London Afrobeat band Kokoroko and has worked alongside Shabaka Hutchings, Moses Boyd and Yusuf Days. He's also shared the stage with the likes of the wonderful Leanne Havis and Kamazi Washington, two artists that me and Ellie are big fans of. Ah, so dreamy. <laughs> so dreamy. <laughs> so in this episode, we are going to be talking about Oscar's favourite parts of the collaboration process and what he hopes to instill in the next generation and people he works with and of course his latest release Breathe Deep. In the background we do have some wonderful music from him this is called Your Saint we both love it we're going to play a little bit more before the episode kicks off so um yeah Keep it locked in, keep it on repeat with Oscar Jerome. In search of streets of gold, the road may lead to Finnish, where the river begins, but the journey doesn't end now. Winding through a valley, you may reach a sulfur swamp, place a coin in the mouth of your loved one so they can be ferried across. They shield their eyes to the damp that eternally choke These muddy waters replace the dirty words that they spoke You may ask yourself how did I end up around these ways And the whim replies, my friend, you were at the right time in the wrong place pretentious question but do you have synesthesia yep you do because we had this chat with um with lids she so we interviewed a poet and we were talking about synesthesia and like different albums and how like some like i have it for like days of the week and chords not notes but like just sort of chords and people as well 
and they have their own like font. Um, but do you have it for like everything or just music specifically? Um, I think if you ask me, I can generally tell you what color something is in my mind, but generally it's for music. Yeah. What color is your own music? Well, it's all different colors. Depends what. It's more like a chord, like F major nine, like mm. that is a light blue. Mm. Yeah. What about? I love doing this when you do. <laughs> when you do like a sort of like a. So we did this the other day, and you say like a day of the week. I think it is, and you go with someone. You go one, two, three, and then you say the color. Mm-hmm. So if I say to you. A minus seven. So we go yeah. one, two, three. Burgundy. Red. Well, it's kind of close. Tuesday. <laughs> I don't know what Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Does that ever seep into your kind of um, your aesthetic of like what your album covers should look like? Because I know you have some really colourful ones. And actually, I was thinking earlier on your latest album, it's really mm. quite well. It's not it's not colourful, I guess. Like mm. the actual is black and white, but it's also really striking. So, do you sort of think in colours that way, or do you think of it differently? Um, I think with like my first two EPs. Like, I definitely wanted them to be, like, kind of colourful images, but partly it was because I wanted my friend Gaurab Takali to do the artwork, mm, and he does, mm, he his all mm. of his artwork is very, like, using a lot of bold colours, and, yeah. But I did feel like that reflected how I thought about the music as well. But I don't know, really. Like, the most recent thing, yeah, is black and white, but that was just, I kind of wanted it to be very different from the other stuff I'd done before to just be like, okay, this is separate. This is a new stage of me as an artist. I guess people sort of, a lot of people associate with you with jazz. Personally, I think that there's a lot of similarities with you and like John Martin. I love John Martin. Do you? Yeah. I'm reading his autobiography <laughs> right now, actually. Really? Yeah. Mm. You guys, Colours of the Week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colours of the Day. I love John Martin. He's yeah? like one of my biggest influences in terms of songwriting, definitely. That's mad. Because mm. I hear that in, um, uh, is it The Joy Is You? Mm-hmm. It's so It's so different from um, some of your other stuff. It's always really interesting to kind of, find out what art what artist influences are especially in the kind of folk, mm. folky yeah because i write like quite a lot of folky tunes and i listen mm. to a lot of more folky people like nick drake or like, a lot of like more like nick irish drake. folk artists as well and like yeah it, i don't really personally i don't think of myself as a jazz musician like i've studied jazz i went to spend four years <laughs> trying to be a bebop guitarist but <laughs> like when I make my own music I'm not like this is jazz it's just like it's loads of different stuff it's equally influenced by many other things so yeah actually it's what we should go back and do is you should um just introduce yourself we always have a habit of doing this at like really random points so you should just introduce yourself say who you are what you do how how you define yourself if not a jazz musician I'm Oscar (laughs) Jerome I am a guitarist a singer and a songwriter producer um friend uh 
I don't know. <laughs> What's your favorite color? <laughs> My favorite color is orange. Is it? Yes. Great color. That's and a sweet. great fruit. Do you, do you find it like puts you on the spot to kind of define what you do? Uh, yeah, because like obviously music is a big part of of me, but it doesn't define me as a as an individual. But then I don't know. Yeah, uh, but then like what I do is is very varied as well in in music. Like I'm not just Oscar Jerome the artist. Like I do stuff with other people, and yeah. Yeah, I feel like people would find it really easy to sort of ask musicians like oh what do you do like that's fine like whatever like we appreciate it's it's very difficult but the reason I say I think people find it easy is because musicians often perform and people often assume that performers like being put on the spot Mm -hmm. and are extroverts Mm. and I don't know if that's always the case and we've had some interesting conversations with people about that and Mm -hmm. what it means to them and if they sort of go into a different persona when they're on stage and or even when they're writing, like, where do you think you fit into that? Um, I do feel like I have a bit of a persona when I'm on stage, actually. Mm. It's something that I've kind of built over time, especially as the music has got more success. Like, I feel like I've kind of it's been a necessity in a way, but also it's just kind of happened naturally because I I. Sometimes I'm incredibly awkward on stage and sometimes I'm incredibly confident on stage and it kind of depends where my head's at, what I'm getting from the audience, how confident I'm feeling about what we're playing, like who I'm on stage with. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I don't feel like I'm any one way. Like it, it really varies. Like, and I feel like that happens with lots of people. It's just like going into a social situation. Sometimes I feel like pretty shy and I can't really don't know what to say and I'm like I can't contribute and then sometimes I'm like wow I'm like being so funny today like, what's up with me like yeah did you feel like um like do you remember the first time you ever performed and did you feel like do you remember first feeling performed, nervous probably like a school assembly or something uh, <laughs> yeah I used to like always make bands at school and like play and things like that I remember doing uh my first proper gig was at like a pub when I was 14. I was doing like singer songwritery stuff. 14? Yeah. And I didn't, and there was this, uh, there's my friend's mum, and she kind of like wanted to sort of manage me in, in kind of, and was getting me on some gigs and they're taking me to do this gig. And I didn't want my dad to come. And I was like, no dad, you're not allowed to come to this gig. Like you're going to embarrass me. Like, <laughs> And he turned up and I was like, fuck's sake dad what are you doing here and then but then he was obviously like i feel so bad about it it's like my first ever gig and i was there with like my friend's mum. like he was really just like what the fuck like i should be taking you to your first I gig be your manager. Yeah. my parents are like they're terrible with like when i they know that i do music but they don't really understand it so i have to always try and find like um, things that are accessible enough to them or things that they can relate to. And I was WhatsApping my parents your music. Uh, I sent them a link of Joy's You because I thought that that would be a really nice kind of starting point because it's quite similar to John Martin, who they like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that song is quite different from the rest of the album. Yeah. So when you were saying that 
you felt like it did fit into to that and that's also that you said that's an older song and mm -hmm. you have um give back what you stole from me on that which as well is which is also tune. a very yeah. old tune because i remember listening to that song years ago but man i just wonder how like how they came together on that album um i mean give back what you stole from me i kind of felt like that song has evolved with us as a live act for over the years and like now it's something that's completely it feels very different when we play it live now it's a much more much more upbeat thing especially now that i've got io um io solawi on the drums rather than moses was playing on the on the first version moses boyd i don't know i suppose it's, it's a larger body of work so you can have a broader spectrum of things on it and like without it being weird but, mm. but maybe you can do that more than i think but i'm just kind of just <laughs> like I was just trying to create a sound so that people could have an idea of who I am as an artist because I feel like I play so many different styles of music and I write so many different styles of music that I didn't really, sometimes I thought it would throw people too much, especially on live gigs because you're like, oh, we're dancing now. Oh, yeah. we're standing still and listening yeah. very, like now it's going some weird, like avant-garde <laughs> improvisation or like, yeah. So just, Those ones. <laughs> mm. yeah. well, that's what I liked really about I've never really done a, a, a body of work that big, well, at least for myself. And uh, like being able to put like little skits in there and stuff, and like little little palate cleansers, like the cucumber sorbet between the between the songs. Um, so on your album, I noticed that you have like as like a co at least a co-writer and then also like a co-producer credits that's quite a lot of work to have to kind of be doing all of it because it's just you and one producer mm. benny, benny giles. giles yeah well i mean there's a lot of amazing musicians on there as well which i've got to you know give a lot of credit to them for making the music what it is as well um but yeah the majority of basically i wrote pretty much all of the music apart from a couple of things there was some couple of bit of co-writing like gravitate with ben hawk and benny giles co-wrote co-wrote some of the stuff but yeah i mean i enjoy it like i enjoy being i mean it's it's something that has got my name on it so like <laughs> I, I there's other things that i'll make which are you know it's a more equal input with different people but for that like for me to feel comfortable putting my name on it i kind of feel like i need to you know that's my baby so i need <laughs> yeah. to be involved in every part of it um but yeah it was a lot of hard work took a lot of time and i have to give a lot of credit to benny because he's an incredibly patient man like i um yeah i feel like i can be maybe be a bit long working with me because i'm just like like there's points and i'm like can you just turn like every single snare drum down by like two decibels mm, he's just yeah. like I was thinking exactly the same thing, you know. <laughs> let's let's do that. <laughs> I was gonna say, how long was the process from start to finish? You're gonna say that, <laughs> Jinx. Um, how long was the process? I mean, if you go from, if you're talking from the beginnings of writing, mm -hmm. there were some tunes on there, like that tune "Joy Is You." I wrote that when my nephew was born, and he's six now. So. I would. So you could say six, six years. years. Six years is a long time to have an idea in the making yeah but it wasn't really like that like that that tune is just something that is never i've tried to put on other projects before and it's never really worked oh. so and it's just because existed with me for a long time but it wasn't 
really something that I ever felt like I wanted to put on a project because it was quite a personal thing. It was about like, yeah, for my family, mm. it was about kind of about my grandma and also about my nephew. Mm. And it was like, yeah, it was something more for me and my family. And then it kind of was finally that version that me and Benny did, which was within probably the year that it was, yeah, a year of it being released was like, okay, this works. Like this, this can go on it. Do you have a favorite part of the creative process? Favorite part of the creative process? Um, my favorite part in the creative process is usually the beginning, you know, that, that feeling when you're like, oh, wait, this is sounding really sick. Like when you're like kind of really, you've got like when the creativity is flowing and you just have all the, you're throwing all the ideas in and you're like, it is starting to like sound like something proper. Is that, is that with just you or with a band as well? Either on my own or with the band, yeah. I might be, like, producing a tune or I might be, yeah, like, yeah, making something with someone else or just jamming something with people or, like, yeah. It's kind of like putting all the ingredients in and it's starting to taste like a meal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the bit, yeah, when you're cooking it up. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Do you, I, was, I was speaking to... um my some of my mates about this the other week um so one of my mates is producing loads of drill tracks at the moment and they were talking about sort of the I guess the ethics around making drill and listening to drill and whether you can be from any sort of background to be able to listen or make that kind of music do you think genre is kind of like that like can you appropriate genre but it's about the way in which you go about uh both creating it and selling it i think especially it's all about a position of power isn't it like and it's something that i've definitely thought about a lot as a white artist playing predominantly black music like at what point is this is this exploitative or at what point is this like you know like it's like the, the line between appreci appreciation and appropriation maybe not exploitative it's not the right word to use but and i feel like it's a difficult one, but then I feel like it's just whether you kind of, yeah, if it's all take and like, I feel like, yeah, in myself, it's something that I try and I try to approach what I'm doing in the world and in music as something that is also giving back to the culture that I have very much gained from. Um, so yeah, I would say yes, I think that you, I think that you can. And something that I'm still trying to work out, to be honest. But I think it's very important to talk about this stuff for sure, because this is especially is like we were talking about earlier with like jazz education. Like it's a very, it's a very white environment. Like that, like that, like all the teachers at music college and stuff, and and the majority of the students. And it's it's crazy because I feel like it's not. There's no real. Um, focus on the actual culture where this has come from and what for a lot of the people that have been through um that created that music i feel like there was a really a not not much of a, a focus on that but i feel like with any music like it alter ultimately it can't be you can't separate it from the the history and like all mm. i think all music is political in some mm -hmm. in some shape or form like because it's like you listen to all pop music that you hear now on the radio is contains the blues. Yeah. Like it contains like pentatonic scales or blues scales. And it's like, like 
there is no there's not really much acknowledgement of that mm. for like yeah how I'm, I'm really not trying to put you on the spot but so you yeah. went through like sort of like formal music education mm-hmm. how do you think that that could have been taught do you think there is a way for for universities or music classes in in primary schools secondary schools to to teach you about things like that how do you think you could rectify it i think Mm. it's mostly a first about representation so you know like my uni employing a lot more black musicians to teach because there are so many incredible black jazz musicians in london why are they not teaching in the conservatoires? Like, yeah. What's that all about? It's kind of there's no excuse. Yeah, why? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. What yeah, the hell? Same <laughs> yeah. But it's because of, I know what it's because a lot, a lot of these cliques of like kind of, of white jazz musicians in, in the UK, like they were kind of kept, kind of kept that stuff inside with like inside their, their groups and like kind of trying to try to protect it. And like, may, it might not have, it might not have been something that was so, um, uh, I don't know, consciously, uh, or like, what's the word? Um, yeah, it's not like a conscious like, decision. Like, it's maybe like unconscious bias. It's something that they should be, yeah, should definitely should be thinking about. It's like, why the hell are they not when that's what they have completely, they're making money out of this thing. Like they've based their whole life on it. It's like, yeah. yeah. A, a lot of like nepotism. Mm, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so that, and I suppose... Yeah, just education in general on like the the impact of you know black music on this culture, on like on British culture. You think about bass music, Jamaican music mm-hmm. in this country, it's like it's influenced like every form of dance music that's come out of this country, which has then gone to influence so much music around the world. Yeah. Like it's it's been like a huge, huge part of yeah british culture so it's but just it's just acknowledgement i suppose yeah so yeah. it's been like a huge like if you think about it in like a business sense i always think it's like they that kind of music has been a huge like money earner for yeah do you know what i mean exactly. for like the tax office mm. and for all those people in parliament it's like it's like grime i don't think there's been something that's been so well exported around the world in recent times other than grime i'm in lockdown i was doing like some quizzes with friends and we always had a music round and i think one of the questions was like who was the 2007 like brits urban artist of the year or something like that and the answer was fucking joss stone you know like yeah like like, like, you know that wasn't i I don't know what the exact year was but it wasn't it's not that long ago and it's it's uh shocking how much um people have been pushed to the side and underrepresented and actively disrepresented yeah and like you say the people that are making money out of it as well because it's like who are the people in these labels or you know in all yeah in all of these positions of power in the music industry which are making which are then making money out of these artists bring it back to um education for a second because you said that you talked about education a little bit and i know that you know, we were briefly voice noting. I voice note a lot. I'm very <laughs> sorry. And I, re- I, I love a voice note. And I realise for people who haven't properly met me, they must think. <laughs> they definitely send me. I think I said that before. You were like, wow, I feel like you just sent me like a whole lecture or something. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Ellie. <laughs> um, but no, we were talking briefly about you and um, and like youth music. 
Oh yeah, um, yeah. So what's 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 going on there? What's going on there? <laughs> um, I used to do a lot more youth music stuff, and then as my kind of, I kind of made a decision to stop teaching to just really focus on my career as a. Sorry, just to clarify, are we? Are we talking about like youth music, the company youth music? Or no, no, youth no. Music Just like music te- for youth? Yeah, yeah, music, music for youth, Got you. teaching Got you. Got you. songwriting classes to groups of kids and stuff. Oh, and sweet. Like, okay. Um, cool. And working in schools. Um, but then, yeah, I decided to kind of really focus on my kind of pushing my musician, solo artist and whatever thing to the next level because I saw a kind of thing sort of that could happen but then in recent times I've kind of I always said to myself you know once I get it to a certain point I want to start trying to do more of that again because I've been very lucky that certain people have come into my life at certain points mm-hmm. which have really helped to influence my you know yeah to get me to where I am now and I feel like a lot of it is can be like just the right person at the right time mm-hmm. giving you the right advice or just yeah or whatever so uh, but yeah, at the moment I've been doing this really cool thing with the Abraham, Wil- sorry, Abraham Wilson Foundation. Oh, cool. Um, which I is... Don't, I don't know who they are. I'd love you to I do. introduce, <laughs> introduce so you they... to me and all of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so they That's do a, cool. They do a lot of work with, yeah, a lot of kids in London, especially from like uh, poorer backgrounds. And this um, project is uh, like... I'll be making these videos over like last, was it last week or the week before last? Um, it all merges into yeah, one. Yeah, it's all merges into one these days. <laughs> yeah, it takes some time. About like writing, yeah, how to write music for a band, like for an ensemble and the kind of like, I suppose it ties in with like simple production and stuff. But we've been trying to do it over video because I can't actually go in and teach them one to one. So that's been that's been a challenge. Like I'm like, wow, I'm like a CBBC presenter now. Um, oh my god! <laughs> I made earlier. Sorry, this is this is actually this is not even funny. So I'm I'm doing a bit of research at the moment, talking about how different it is to deliver workshop sessions on Zoom as opposed to in person. Mm. And you are so right about that. Like it feels like you're an entertainer rather mm. than an artist. I probably much prefer when it's when it's like teaching and stuff having a like uh, forming like I want like a relationship yeah, exactly. with someone that because that's so that's so much more rewarding a bit more face to face yeah yeah um but obviously this is something that we're doing now to mm. fill the gaps and I'll hopefully just be able to show some kids like you know that this is actually something that you can you can do this as a job like and there's yeah. you know but I've managed to make this my career and like this is and i feel like to a lot of people it feels very unattainable but there are Mm. a lot of organizations like especially in london there's a lot of really great organizations which you can get involved with like tomorrow's warriors or abraham wilson foundation and stuff like which you can really help to kind of get you to in front of the right people and like yeah to get the skills and stuff so it feels like to me your some of some of the songs that you have um that you've written and the approach that you have values sort of underpin everything and you're thinking about things you want to do in the future and that also is dictated by the values that you have mm-hmm. would you agree that like your values or like your sort of your personal politics dictates a lot of your creativity in that way definitely like the content of the music yeah and like 
maybe the way I try and go about working in the industry as well, like in terms of, you know, how I'm sharing the wealth with the people that I'm working with, the type of people that I want to work with. Um, and that, I, yeah. And how I want to try and keep the stuff within the community that I've grown out of in terms of, yeah, giving back to that and stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. And then how I, how I plan to move f- forward. I, I want to do more stuff where I'm working like, yeah, with people, especially with like young people and stuff. And like that, I find, you know, I like being this, I like being the artist and like whatever being you know on stage or like, you know, making music that is like my, what's come out of my head. But mm. I kind of, I feel like they can only go so far. Like with me, I feel like I'm also, I'm now, I want to find other lanes with which I can influence because I feel like there's other very positive ways in which you can influence people. And I don't know, the the artist thing can become a very self-absorbed thing as well. And it just makes me feel a bit uncomfortable thinking that that will be my life. Did you have a teacher in your life that was this kind of person? And also, if there, do you have anything that you like impart to the young people that you you work with? Are there like any key lessons they kind of take away? Uh, a teacher, a guy called Josh Daniels, who started teaching me when I was like fourteen, fifteen, no, fourteen. Yeah, he was a jazz piano player. He came to my school. And my music teacher was like, "Oh, Oscar, you like kind of playing little bluesy things on the piano? You should get some lessons with him." I didn't really know how to play the piano. I just knew how to play like a C blues scale, basically. <laughs> um, and that, yeah, I came to have some lessons with him. He was like, yeah, you're pretty crap at piano. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then he had... But then he heard me play guitar and was like, oh, you can actually play the guitar. Like you should start coming along to this like youth jazz orchestra. And then he taught me, he was like, oh, you should check out George Benson learned to play this guitar solo by George Benson on on Broadway. I didn't even know that. They say to me, "Oh, lights are bright." Well, he didn't actually write that, with but but I still remember that guitar solo. That was like, yeah. Once I learned that, like, I was I was like, I was hooked. I was just like, damn, George Benson is my guy. Like, yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. So I was. So he, yeah, Josh was a. He, he was an important person that came into my life at that time. And I had a great guitar teacher actually when I was, I started playing classical guitar when I was eight. And this guy, Ed, who was my guitar teacher back then, he was a really, really good guy. He didn't really teach kids as well. Like he mainly taught adults. So I think he was a bit like, mm, am I really going to take on an eight year old? And then I was with what him. What do I do with you? <laughs> but then I was with him for a long, long time. And he was a very, he was a very important person in my life. Like I remember when we had a, he had to stop teaching me for other personal reasons and like, that was like, I remember walking home from that guitar lesson, just crying like so much. It was just like, oh, he was such a... kind of makes an... me want to cry. I don't know if it's the rosy. Like, that is actually probably... The rosy. Because I must have been... I'm, how old were you then when you stopped um, I was probably kind of old, to be fair. Like, I've always been emotional. I've always been a crier. I still am, but... Uh, no, um, I'm imagining, like, from, say you were like 16. Like I was probably like, how old was I? Yeah, maybe like 13, 14, 14, maybe 14, yeah, 14. Yeah, but that's like six, 
six, seven mm. years. That's a long time to have a relationship with. Yeah, with he was a proper important figure in my life, definitely. Because music was my, has always been my life since then as well. So, yeah. Recently, um, <laughs> recently, as if it was like a <laughs> <other> week. <laughs> um, I want to know, like, obviously, like you're a guitarist and all of that, but your singing. Did you ever have singing lessons or like formal singing lessons or anything like that? Um, I never did before, but recently I actually have started getting singing lessons. <laughs> from someone called Daisy Bo, who is an amazing singer and an amazing teacher as well. She's been a very, actually a really great person for me over the last few months, so shout out Daisy. Uh, <laughs> what, what so it's proper recent. Like, yeah, but I, I mean, I had some lessons like, I had some lessons with her like a few years ago, just on and off. And then like, I did have some like jazz singing classes at Trinity, but I always found them a little bit, I found the way that it was taught didn't really fit with how I like to sing or how, I don't know. But yeah, so I haven't had a lot. And it's, it's weird actually because I've not really ever thought of myself as a singer. Like it's only been probably in the last couple of years when people ask me like, what do I do? Would I say I am a singer as well as a guitarist? But I will always say that I'm a guitarist first. But before I would just tell people I'm a guitarist. Like, really? Yeah. yeah. Even though singing is something I've always done. Like, I've always written songs and sang since I was very, like, I don't know, 10 or something. But Do you ever think about sort of, like, healthy technique when you're singing? Because like, when you sing, to me, it's like you have your own voice. And But, like, do you ever think about, like, sort of the technical side of it at all? Or is that um, difficulty? It's something that I've not thought about that much, but I definitely feel like I need to more, especially since I've been touring more. But like in what you're saying about technique and out jazz singing, I would say I feel like, you know, a lot of the greatest jazz singers have incredible technique, but it's just different. Like, do you know what I mean? Like someone like Ella Fitzgerald, like her technique is incredible. But it's I but I think that it's something that probably like comes with also just with playing loads. Like just play performing loads. Like that's how you, that's how you how you get to feel comfortable with doing that music rather than like learning it from a teacher. I mean, I don't know. For me, like with my singing lessons, it's always just like, we're kind of breaking down the stuff that I've already, especially stuff that I've already written yeah. and ways that I can sort of sing that in way, in ways that are both safe and how I can enhance like what I'm doing to the fullest extent. Because I feel like I have like, often I use, I hide behind the sort of speech style of, how I talk like with my singing you know what I mean and that is something that I I still like that because I a lot of my favorite singers are storytellers and then not maybe maybe not the most like incredibly incredible vocally like someone like Gil Scott Heron or I don't know Bob Dylan or John Martin or someone like that like but but these people are storytellers and I feel like they put across a lot of their their life experience you can hear it in their voice and and that kind of um feeling of uh sincerity and like kind of 
personality, something that I really in, I really admire in a lot of singers. But I feel like that's something that I've tried to emulate or or like kind of just kind of get through my own singing a lot to a point where I'm potentially feel like I yeah hide behind it. So I'm now trying to like I feel like I'm coming at it probably from the opposite side to you, where I've I found the limitations of coming to it from that that point of view, and I'm trying to like learn how to do that with good technique so that I don't mess up my voice. I, that's something that I would always seek out someone that I'm trying to learn from is that that I see that they have kind of I don't know especially if they write their own music and I respect them as a songwriter as well and a storyteller like that um then I'm like okay I can I can see how you can get where I'm coming from with what I'm trying to do but also like show me how to do it better basically yeah. so are there any learnings you can share with us <laughs> any protective oh, nice. yeah just well, like very, I mean, a lot of it's like very specific things that I'm doing, like, uh, <laughs> some, but like, well, something we've been doing recently, because I took a little break, like while I've been away in Berlin, like, uh, but then recently we've just been like, yeah, just coming back to just focusing on my breathing and stuff, because that's, I mean, that's like an obvious thing, but, but like stuff like, um, not really, I mean, I struggle with breathing when I talk, so I imagine yeah. it's just, but like doing things like, like lying on the floor, and like thinking about like filling up my whole body with breath for like a few minutes and like feeling my back like press against the floor, imagining my shoulders and like my collarbone and stuff like that kind of all expanding and stuff like and like really trying to get into that headspace before I start singing something I'm trying to do now because before I think like I would always just start singing and just be like okay let's go and mm. like and then but I, now I'm like trying to take my time with it and realize that that getting into that headspace is really helpful but also and, and like another thing like yeah like breaking down my songs into just like taking out the consonants because I, I hide behind the consonants in my songs a lot like when I'm when I'm saying a word like anything I feel like I'm giving away all I've heard Get us <laughs> <laughs> uh well I was just gonna say yeah and just like focusing on actually hitting the notes of each like the things I'm trying to say because like I, I, I will think about something as like it's a sentence and I'm saying this is the, the purpose of it is me to say this point but then when I break it down and slow it down and think like how like what are the actual notes on each of these words like and I'm like oh I've actually not been thinking about that that much and now I'm trying to mm. I'm trying to do that and say each like sing each note very clearly and then then put the consonants of the words back in. And then often I feel like I'm I'm singing the song a lot stronger after that. Kind of like, I was going to say, kind of like taking a step back from what you've already written to come back into it with like kind of a fresh yeah. take. And that's something I'm still trying to work on, like having the patience to do because I feel like I've had a lot of patience with my guitar playing, but I've not had very much patience with my singing because it's, it's like you can just like, oh, I can sing. Like I've always sung. It's, it's done, just it's yeah. there. Like I can just do it. But like, actually, that's something that yeah, I'm I'm really learning how to how to practice that and like work it into my day to day life. Still, it's still early days with that for me. To be honest. So you have spoken about your collect well the collective that you're in a couple of times, Coco Rocco. 
Am I saying yeah, it correctly? I don't actually play with Cockroco anymore. But oh, you don't? No, no, no. Well, there's all my questions yeah. out the window. But no, <laughs> but it'd be really cool to know how that came about, how you all work together as artists and like what it's like to kind of learn from peers. Well, yeah, in my, yeah, with Cockroco, like that's, that was a very, like, that's very important, like, I don't know how long I was playing with them, maybe like five years or something, like a long time, like, and it's been, yeah, like those lot of amazing, some of my best friends and really amazing musicians and a massive learning, a lot of learning, both through like doing so much touring and just like studying that, that West African music for a long time, learning to play a lot of classic tunes of like Afrobeat and stuff like Ebo Taylor and Felakuti and stuff. And then also, um, yeah, mixing that with other like jazz music and stuff like that came about. I was studying with, uh, I went to Trinity and Sheila went there for a masters. Cassie, sax player, she was uh, composition there. Natali was a bass player. Then he he did he was at Trinity as well. So yeah, a few people at Trinity and then a few people at just from about in London playing music. Um, but Sheila and Onome, the Congo pair, put that band together and asked me to be involved. So I was very happy about that. And um, <laughs> very happy to be asked to be involved. Um, and uh, yeah, and who else have I worked with? Lo loads of people. Um, Joe, Joe Armand Jones. We used to have a, a hip hop band back in the day called Sumo Chief, which was like, we used to like play like Dilla beats, like, like we we run this this um cipher for like rappers in in Brixton at the at the Ritzy like every month and that was like a really big part of my learning about like hip hop music and like just yeah met a lot of people through doing that and that that was very some very formative years as well um, people I've been working with recently uh, Ego LMA she's someone that I really really like i love her music like i've been like so into her music for like a long time and you should tell her that this was the best podcast experience you've ever had just be like the girls are amazing we went out and bought rose i'll see what i can do carry on carry on as you are someone who i feel you need to look out for for sure is leah sen so He's an amazing, amazing guitarist and singer and producer um, who, yeah, hopefully making a bit of music with. This weekend, actually, got a little session going on. Um, I can't remember what the question was, to be honest. I'm just <laughs> no, like shouting you, people out. Neither can I, to be honest. You kind of summed up <laughs> quite nicely. I guess, like, you kind of said, like, what was, like, the best thing? And I guess it was, like, the learning curve yeah i feel like learn i i love playing music with other like I, I love being a solo artist and being able to realize my music into like like what has been in my head and like you know being having that control like being a bit of a control freak i, I do enjoy that <laughs> but at the same time i love collaborating and being in an environment where it's an equal input from people and learning from the people around me like other people that i've learned a lot from is uh wulu as well he's an amazing producer who i've done and a musician like guitarist singer uh, Maxwell Owen as well has been a massively influential person in my life in terms of music um yeah like working with Leanne like that was that was really amazing because like she's someone I look up to a lot she's been really good to me and you know I was very lucky to to be able to get her on a tune 
performed with her a couple of times. Um, do you have yeah. a, do you have a, fam- a, a favorite Leanne Lava song? Uh, off her new album, I like the tune seven times. That shit gets me. That that it gets me every time. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking so sick. Um, oh. another artist actually. Sorry, that I've worked with who's been a very I've learned a hell of a lot from is a guy called Aflasaki. Oh, who's um, you know, do you know him? Yeah, yeah he has. He's a percussionist and singer, Ghanaian guy, and I used to play in his band Afric Bawantu, and we were doing like six hour rehearsals every Saturday in basement in, in Hackney and like just playing like through like these breaks in the tunes and it's like whatever like and it would just be like so much memory and like so much stuff like it was just but the way that he led the band was just like so amazing it was so inspiring like because he was just so patient so positive but he knew he well he still he knows like every single part in his music like it's just there in his head like so like it was just amazing i was like how do you hold all of this information in your head and it's just readily available like that like just straight away so that he's a really really inspiring person to to work with for sure what do you hope that you leave like impart on people that you work with yeah. Whether this is the like, <laughs> student, whether this is the students in the class or like your your peers in music, what do you hope that you kind of leave them being like Oscar Jerome does something something um, really well. I don't know. Like, I'm just, but <laughs> what what do I hope that I can impart upon the people that I work that I work with? I mean, I don't know because like the people that I work with, they're all amazing. Like I don't feel like, I don't know. That's I'm a picture like, for a I reason. Feel like though. I'm, I feel like I'm lucky to work with them, to be honest, but. Um. Yeah, but I suppose, like in terms of the writing, I suppose that's something that I've I've put a lot more focus on maybe than some other musicians around me that I, I work with in terms of like storytelling through the through the music and um, I suppose fusing different genres together. But, but maybe with students, like I just hope that. I, for uh, if I can just inspire a few people to just follow music for for the reason like for the sake of of art and just for the sake of like doing what makes you happy and what fulfills you and not just doing it for the recognition and whatever because at the moment like we live in a very like individualist culture at the moment like especially through social media and stuff like everyone's just thinking about how they come across an individual as an individual what makes them look cool and not thinking about how can I create something of substance necessarily. Well, there, there are still people thinking about that, but I feel like it gets overshadowed by constantly presenting yourself in a certain way. And I just hope that maybe, because uh, I, I do worry about a lot of young people now because they're growing up like constantly on their phones, like just with this, constantly being bombarded by these fake ideals about life. And yeah, and it's just, it's, I just feel sorry for them in a way, but I'm I'm I feel glad that I haven't didn't have to grow up like at that age in this time, and it affects me now still. But like, yeah, so I just hope that I can maybe, you know, inspire some young people to to follow that like kind of outside of all of that bullshit. I think that's a brilliant answer. You, you do like a and you're like I don't know why they picked me. Like they picked you for a reason. You've done an amazing job, and that's a perfect answer.
Wait, wait, we need to ask one more thing. No, shit. In true on repeat style, at the end of every professional interview that we that we partake in, what which artists are you keeping on repeat? Can I say multiple artists? No, no, you can say as many as you want. We want as many. We want artists that I'm listening to a lot at the moment. Who you're keeping on repeat? Who am I keeping on repeat? Sorry, keep with the keep keep it keep it on brand. I'm listening to to Sango a lot at the moment. Like Sango's released two new projects recently that are really really sick. Um, Leia Sen, like I said before, I've been listening to her music a lot. Ego LMA, Wulu, um, uh, who else? Uh, Lexa Moore, Lexa Moore's new project. I've been listening to that a lot. Uh, I don't actually know how to pronounce this, but Live E Live. You know, L I V dot E live maybe. Uh she's sick. Nika Kim. Yeah, Leanne Havas. Thank you. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you, yeah, it was brilliant. It's been very fun. This is actually gonna be my birthday episode. Yeah. Is it? Is it birthday? <laughs> no, not today. It comes out on my birthday. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Can I say that? What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> 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 Thank you for so much. Yeah, thanks for bearing with us with the uh, technical difficulties. Chin chin. So late. Well, that was a really memorable chat. Really enjoyed myself. Did you, Hattie? It was super lovely. And I'm super happy that we're releasing this on my birthday. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, birthday episode, Oscar. Yeah. And uh, it was and super at- fun. It was a birthday meal, really, wasn't it? It actually was a birthday meal. And I think somewhere along the lines, Oscar actually... I think, I think Oscar and I sang and played or whatever happy birthday to my dad on the night yeah it was your dad's birthday yeah so it really felt like happy birthday Ali (laughs) happy birthday (laughs) Ali oh oh, that was brilliant now thank you so much Oscar and also uh, Oscar was so wonderful because he just he really he was so patient he He was so patient with our technical difficulties yeah we ran out of um uh, batteries, didn't we? And rose. So we ended up all going to the shop together mid podcast mm-hmm. for some batteries and rose, as you do. Yeah, having a little stroll, stretching the legs, getting the old blood pumping. But um, yeah. it was good fun. It was a nice <laughs> evening and it was nice to, to connect. Bless him. Um, really lovely guys. So you should definitely check out his latest album yes his latest album breathe deep you can stream it listen to it via everywhere so definitely go and check that out and follow him on all the social media platforms that exist in the whole world so <laughs> instagram at oscar jerome we're talking facebook at oscar jerome <laughs> so thanks again for listening yeah thank you Keep for listening repeat. happy birthday to hattie thank you and we will see you next week We hope you've enjoyed the episode and want to keep us on repeat. You can follow, subscribe and like us on your podcast platform of choice and slide into our DMs on Instagram by following us at onrepeatthepodcast. All information will be included in the show notes. On Repeat was made, produced and edited by us and the theme music is an original piece by Ellie's jazz band Fujiyama and wonderfully resampled by Dee the producer for the podcast. All of our guests give us permission to use their music. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to keep it on repeat.